Hey, welcome to Tori37, and today I'm going to reintroduce myself to the newer viewers that I have gained since I launched this podcast. So the whole point of me launching this podcast was to, you know, create a connection between myself and other people. Um, doesn't matter where you are, um, across the world, across the country, in Massachusetts, where I am from. Um, I, wanted, I did this during COVID because I believe that a connection is very important to people when we were at such a place where there was such a disconnect. We were isolated in our homes and, you know, a lot of people, you know, had that, you know, I miss somebody because, you know, I'm that type of person that likes to hug or likes to spend time with my loved ones or my best friends. Yeah, I get that. And that's where I came in. And... Thankfully, most people have accepted me to this point. And again, um, I'm appreciative to everything and all the opportunities I've had in my life so far. For me, I believe the sky is the limit and I'm gonna continue to reach for that. But like I was saying, um, I'm, I was 37 when I started this. I just turned 38, July 3rd. Um, I work as a team lead slash worker B at the hospital um, locally. And I obviously, have this podcast and I have Tori37, um, which is also on my blog, which, you know, is kind of a companion to this, but we don't, I don't really talk about the same things on both parts of it because here I'm talking verbally there. I write what's in my mind, what's on my heart. And sometimes I feel like that conveys to people other times, not so sure, but thankfully I've started getting feedback finally, which is really important to me. So let me catch up on my story. So other than, you know, dealing with the whole COVID thing, my my growing up was, you know, with a single parent. And like I said before, um, my mom had help in raising me. My grandparents helped her and she had, you know, friends that were really important to me. So it made it a little bit easier for her to, you know, surround me with a tribe of people that understood, you know, what her daughter needed, what she needed. Um, so when I was about eight, I started to get sick and that meant going to the hospital a lot and a lot of tests obviously um so that kind of was tough for me for a while um i had stomach problems that was genetic from my father and that meant going up to boston and i met a really great doctor dr Bowie, who i had till i was about 16. Um, he definitely worked wonders in my life without him i wouldn't be able to digest food like i do today um and you know I got to experience a lot of things out in Boston because of it, go to Faneuil Hall. I mean, I used to go obviously during like vacations and stuff like that, but you know, I got to see a lot of sights out there uh, when that happened. And, you know, we made the most of it. Um, when I was about, I would say uh, 16, I'm gonna say 16, 16, it got a little bit worse. Um, that's when, the pains that I had in my stomach, which were diagnosed as gastric ulcers, by the way, bleeding ulcers. Yeah, I know, an eight-year-old with bleeding ulcers on top of all the other problems I had, um, like getting my period early in my life. That was a wonder. When you're sitting there wearing white pants at your best friend's house and you're sitting there and you're like, hey, what the heck's going on? What's this? I mean, my mom had explained to me, you know, you know, when you're 12 or 13, you're going to go through that process. Um, 12 or 13 turned into eight, eight and a half. But it's okay. I mean, I got breast around that same time, so it, <laughs> it kind of made sense. Uh, um, that was the summer of growing up, to totally growing up. And being born in the summer, I mean, it made it a little bit more difficult. But, you know, I, I did what I could, right? <laughs> um, 
when I was about 14, um, between the ages of 14 and 16, the pains got a little bit worse. So I, I went to go see a little bit of an, a more adult person because I had obviously aged out of Dr. Bowie. Um, and that was a process because, I mean, at that point, I had literally been on every kind of like medication there was out there to treat my problem. And, you know, Propulsid and Zantac and oh, Pepsid and every experimental drug that was out there, I pretty much tried. I went through trials um, where it was to help me, but in the same aspect, I don't feel it helped me all that much because what was I doing? What was I doing in my life? <laughs> I was a kid who was in pain all the time. I mean, my, my childhood was great, though. It was great. I mean, I did things that most kids don't get to do. I got to live in Phoenix, Arizona. I and traveled there. I went. I met Mickey Mouse. I lived in Florida. It's not like I didn't have the greatest of both worlds. It was just that was one of those things that, you know, kind of took over my childhood and, you know, put a damper on it, to say. Um, so um, I had surgery. Um, I got my appendix and my gallbladder taken out. And obviously with that came um, what I was warned about before was um, like gut leakage. And I don't think at the time I really understood what that meant with, you know, digestion. My thing was it was covered in lesions and all kinds of other things that weren't helping my body. It wasn't breaking down nutrients where it was healthy for me. My stomach was just, you know, always in pain, always distended. It's, it was definitely not a way to live. And anybody who's ever had digestive problems would definitely see where I'm coming from with this. Um, so I, I don't think I really understood, like, long-term, when I became an adult, like, what that would do to me. Um, I was apparently, like I said, just a kid. So to me, that was like, oh, okay, well, I don't have to worry about that right now. But um, I would say probably three to four weeks after I had the surgery, I started to notice that um, things just weren't right. Um, obviously that's natural with having the removal of organs that sustain a part of your body. Uh, and I mean, I dealt with it the best I could. I would put on probiotics. I took like these like wafers. Um, I think it was Metamucil. Um, that's what I had to deal with, um, to try to help me. And, you know, I had problems, big problems, um, you know, with other issues that I had. Uh, obviously that helped me get to the point where I was like kind of self-conscious about myself because I was still going through that progression of your body is changing and you're now becoming an adult adult and now you're going to live with these adult problems. Um, my stomach, like I said, was a major part of that still is. It's still a problem for me. It's just not as major of a problem. There are times when I still do get stomach aches and I'll get to that later on. But um, I was hospitalized um, when I was about, I would say 16, around the same age, 16. I had had some, a couple of issues um, where, I, again, I was sick. So, you know, I got treatment, in, inpatient treatment, and it definitely helped me. And that was probably the, one of the first times I've ever been separated from my mom, except when I, like, lived in Arizona and in Florida. That, I lived with my grandparents and my grandfather. He's, he was part of the military. So that was natural to me. We lived on off base and it was a really nice place to live. And that's one of my, you know, favorite places that I've ever visited and lived, Phoenix, Arizona. 
still one of my favorite. I remember, you know, stakes falling on uh, the car and stuff like that out of the trees and like a lot of lizards and <laughs> and ants and stuff like that. But it was cool. I had a nice yard. I used to play football. I'm still a big football fan. Not of the team that, you know, most people think I would root for like the home team. No, I'm a Green Bay Packers fan. I've loved them since I was a kid. That's something that's not going to change. But I have been to Gillette Stadium where the Patriots play. And I've seen Tom Brady play. And I, you know, was able to uh, cross off something from my bucket list. And I got to see Aaron Rodgers play live. So that was really cool to me. Um, But going back to what I was saying, um, when you have genetic issues, it makes it a lot harder for you to, I think, live life to the fullest knowing that you're getting to the point where 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 do you turn to when the medication stops working this doesn't mean you want to be poked and prodded like i was when i was a kid because that was just i don't i don't know how to describe that i just wasn't pleasurable i didn't like it um i didn't like you know feeling my belly feeling my belly you know the doctors being like i have no idea what's wrong with you (laughs) i mean that that's not a life clearly, but it's something that I went through and I think it made me stronger growing up because, you know, when you face adversity, you, you, you go forward, you forge forward with your life and, you know, you try to make yourself a better person. So let's fast forward to when I was 21. When I was 21, um, I went to the bank with my mother and around that time she wasn't feeling well. Now she was working full time. I was in school and I was working part time and she said she didn't feel well. So, I mean, I was thinking, oh, well, whatever. She wasn't feeling well. That's okay. I mean, it was hot outside. It was July, so no big deal. We got home, and she said she still wasn't feeling well. And she was clutching her chest. She said she was hot in her chest. She was having a heart attack. I had to call 911. 911 came and got her. And she was admitted to the hospital. Now, during her admittance to the hospital, um, she got a lot of meds obviously to treat her heart condition that was just discovered and she was diagnosed with congestive heart failure now this was shocking to me because my mom is always the type of person who was active all my life and you know i didn't really expect that this would happen to her of all people she was strong she used to play basketball in heels she used to climb the monkey bars with me this was something that was completely out of the blue so with that she basically turned into a different person um and obviously that affected our life so i went i quit school to stay home to take care of her and work full time um i started working out my job at subway where you know i worked for um phyllis and don and thankfully they were always supportive of everything that i went through with her and they gave me the time to be with her when I needed to be. And they were very flexible about, you know, her doctors calling me and, you know, getting text messages from her, you know, knowing how her condition was. And they would work my schedule around what was going on in her life and her testing. And, you know, while, you know, circumstances always change in life, I'm I'm very thankful for the both of them. And, you know, the people that, you know, touched my life when I worked there, like Steve, Erica, I'm, I'm very thankful. And the friends, the friends that I made. I made a lot of friends at Subway that, you know, I, I won't ever forget. Uh, my best friend, Megan, uh, Jared, 
uh, Jaden, uh, well, Jen, um, Alyssa, my little sister, various other people. It was a great place to make connections with people that will last a lifetime. Those are people that, you know, they went through it with you, so they know how it is. Um, I worked there for 13 years, like I said, and during the 13 years, obviously mom's condition was, you know, unpredictable at best. She, during that time, ended up getting a defibrillator because her heart was not in rhythm and she obviously needed to be in rhythm in order to survive. Um, and she also, five years ago, was diagnosed with cancer. Um, that was a hard part of my life, obviously. Um, it was unexpected because she had gone through so much to this point. And I never expected that my mom would be making the biggest fight of her life um, through cancer. And that definitely changed everything, the dynamic. Because during that time, um, to this point, I had you know, two relationships. And the last one that I had was the man who's currently my husband, uh, John. So mom got to see me get engaged, thankfully. And we were planning our wedding when, you know, everything just just halted and changed. Um, we watched her become something different after her strokes. She ended up in the hospital in Boston and, I'm sorry, Rhode Island, not Boston. Boston was me, sorry. Sorry, little, little problem there. <laughs> it was Rhode Island. She ended up in Rhode Island and because that's where they had a bed. And it, it was not the most pleasurable experience I want to, you know, ever remember about, you know, your mom and the timeline to what happened to her. She went through a lot. And twice she was put under. Um, she was put under anesthesia and put into a medical coma to protect herself protect her body so in case she didn't come back to what she was obviously she wouldn't have felt it um i was her proxy so i'm the one that made major decisions in her life and that was hard for me because even as an adult you don't expect to ever have to say goodbye to your parent you don't ever expect to have to make those decisions for your mom or your dad or whoever you expect that the strong person that they were is always going to be the one that existed. Unfortunately, this was not the case. So as mom got weaker, I started having to make major decisions. Um, she did wake up twice from both of those incidents where she had strokes. She woke up, she didn't remember anything. And I'm very thankful that she didn't remember those things because that was probably in her best interest. Um, those weren't pleasurable times for her. Those weren't pleasurable times for anybody, including my grandparents. So... Um, we're going to fast forward to December. December was right after November, obviously. November, there was an incident with her port that she ended up in the hospital. So she was going to spend Thanksgiving in the hospital. Thankfully, she was released. So that was the Thanksgiving that I made a big deal about. I made a big deal about that. And I made a very big deal about Christmas because I knew this was going to be her last Christmas with me. I bought her everything and anything I could to make sure that she had the things that she needed. She felt loved. 
while I didn't go to most of her treatments with her, John did, um, I obviously saw what those things would do to her. I saw what chemo did to her. I saw what radiation did to her. It burnt her skin off. It made her a different person. She would throw up. She went through all those things that I would never want to wish upon anyone. And, well, I watched her lose weight and I watched her slowly fall apart. My mom, the strong person, was disintegrating before my eyes. And I think I was in denial for a really long time because of the timeline they had given her to survive. She didn't survive. She, she, I don't know, she passed away um, in January, five years ago, during 26. Um, and um, let me go through that. Um, so in December, we were told that you know, her timeline for life was going to go down. It was diminishing uh, very quickly. And that's something that was really hard for me. Because again, my mom was my best friend. She was my everything. My absolute everything. She was the one person in this world at the time who understood me the best. And for me, that was really hard. So in January, when she was basically told that, you know, you're going home to die. <laughs> be going home to die and her friend came up from New Jersey Melissa and she spent time with her so that mom didn't have to feel alone um, I'm so thankful like I've said before that Melissa did that because my mom had she I didn't want her to feel alone before she passed I didn't want her to be in that position where she felt like no one cared besides me besides John besides my grandparents Melissa made memories with her. She made videos with her. She called her continuously. She made sure she knew that my mom felt love. So, um, that night after Melissa left, um, the hospice nurse came in. She did the intake. We signed papers. I went to go pick up mom's medications. And um, she had said goodnight to me. She said, goodnight, I love you. And I said, goodnight, I love you too. And during the night, I could hear her crying and screaming that she didn't want to go. She said, don't take me. I'm not ready. I woke up the next day to a gurgling sound. A gurgling sound that, you know, my mom, who was a CNA for years, would tell me that meant that was kind of like a death rattle. So I was experiencing that, and I kind of knew that. I walked over to her bed, and her eyes were open wide. They were blue. It, she was gone. My mom was gone. My, the, the love of my life, my mom, was gone. My best friend. Um, her mouth was open, but it, she, it was curled into a smile. So I know that the last things that she saw when she was welcomed into heaven was something really beautiful. And I really hope that it was her grandfather who she lost at nine years old. She watched him drop dead in front of her. Um, I hope it was him and all her friends that she had lost previously who welcomed her up there. And, you know, that's the love that she felt. So um, right after that, I tried to close her eyes. I walked up to her. She was still, well, her body had not completely shut down at the time. She was still warm to the touch. And I whispered into her ears as I kissed her. I said, Mom, go home. Just go home. It's okay. You can go home. Ten minutes later, she was completely ice cold. Um, rigor mortis had just set in very quickly. So I had to protect her. Um, the way that I felt and while I didn't touch her body after that 
other than to I cut a lock of her hair, um, which I never really share with anybody. I'm kind of shocked that I'm even sharing it now. I cut a lock of her hair so that I would have it because I knew she was going to be cremated. And cremation meant that um, there would be no physical place to, to visit um, when she was gone. And I still have that piece of hair. It's in um, it's in a glass with her glasses <laughs> and some seashells that, you know, we collected together when I was younger that she kept and some rocks from the beach because we both love the beach so much. I think that's why I still love the beach because I feel it connects me to her. Um, so uh, the funeral home, people came and they took her. And... I remember sitting in a room with my grandparents and her other best friend and picking out a box, a box for her to be in. Um, That was her new home. And I just remember just thinking, my mom's going in a box. They were like, oh, you want to put her in in a necklace? But then the ashes in the necklace. And I was just like, "Uh, no, not really. Um, I'm good with that. So I picked out a nice box, and um, they were like, she's downstairs. Uh, we'll get back to you about, you know, when this is all done. And for weeks, months, I had nightmares about what went on. The memories that I had of sitting in the room, my bedroom, where they put me before they took her body, of me screaming, screaming and sobbing for my mom, and how I didn't want them to take her because... Once they took her, she was gone. She's still gone, obviously. Um, she's still gone. Gives me chills just talking about this. Wow. Um, the coming months were very hard for me. Uh, we moved from the house that we lived at because I couldn't be where she was. To me, it was like, it was very hard. Um, I didn't want to be there. So we moved to a smaller apartment where we lived until we moved here to a bigger apartment because obviously after we got married um, we had a lot of stuff and I had a lot of stuff in general and the two of us combined just we needed to move we needed to make more space so we lived here um, in our two bedroom uh, townhouse type apartment and um, I think that it, it makes us better people to have gone through that but it was very hard at the time to go through that um i'm not gonna lie it was it was an experience that i don't wish upon anybody so um after i got married i kind of you know went through a depression again of like my mom not being with me and that being really hard for me so obviously that changed me a little bit i gained a lot of weight I got to the point where I was over 300 pounds. Um, I could barely breathe uh, or walk or whatever. I just didn't feel comfortable in my own skin. Oh my God, that's killing me. Um, so I made a change. I decided to go back to the gym. I went five times a week at best, sometimes four, depending on my schedule. Um, and I started trying to better myself. Um, during that time that after mom passed, I got a job at the hospital where I work now, um, where I do what I do. And I met a lot of other people who have been 
instrumental in me feeling um, better about myself. Jackie, Job, uh, Amisha, uh, Sarah, a lot of people. I met uh, Miss Bev. There were a lot of people who, Mo, um, Joanne, Brian. Uh, I could go on and on. There are so many good people. There are good people with good hearts. Karen, uh, Mama Karen, Mickey, my best friend, Lisa, my other best friend. Um, I've just, I've been blessed in that aspect of having people that surround you who, when you're falling apart, they're still there for you. And I'm very thankful for that. And I don't think that, you know, I would be at the point where I am now if I didn't have that. So going back to going to the gym, going to the gym, drinking, you know, my protein shakes, drinking all the water. Water is like one of the things that I'm not fond of, but I know it's good for my body. And um, slowly but surely, the weight started to melt off. So then I started incorporating weight training, which was suggested to me by a friend. Um, And the weight training definitely helped me to get into a rhythm where my body felt stronger, not just walking and running. It felt good in general to do the things I did for my body you put good into your body you get good out right right (laughs) um so that leads me to this past year where I went through a very dramatic change um I've lost um in total over 135 pounds my goal is to weight is to be 50 pounds less than what I weigh now uh 50 pounds 50 to 60 pounds um more uh, would be my goal weight and I know I can do that I mean it's just gonna take time obviously it doesn't happen overnight I gotta get used to that um, and I started keto and I'm not talking about keto in a bad way where I'm trying to push my lifestyle on you because that's clearly not the case I don't believe in pushing anything on anybody um, but that works for my body and the rhythm that my body works that's what my body asks for I then started intermittent fasting. Um, I started that in January, and that's definitely helped me a lot where my body reacts very good to that. I can, you know, eat the two meals a day, two to three meals a day, and feel okay. Um, I try not to break my fast because, I mean, my last meal is usually the meal that I either eat at work or eat at home, depending on my day for my schedule, which is okay. and that helps me get to the point where I am, which is at a healthy medium with my body. I hold a lot less weight and I feel a lot lighter, which is the most important part. My body feels like it's never felt before. I feel good. Um, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, so um, I also went through a season of rebirth with mentally. Obviously, my mom's death has always been hard on me. And, you know, I don't talk about her with people that often unless I have to. So that's something that, you know, I've gotten used to, you know, sharing my story, sharing the story of my mom, sharing the story of, you know, my own battles with myself. I In the past, I've had um, an eating disorder. Um, and that was one of those things that, you know, you learn through correction that that's not the way you make yourself feel good. You have to tap into that 
the, the inner demons that you have and whether or not you want to expose them to people that's okay you don't have to expose your demons to anybody but you have to make sure that you feel good about yourself at the end of the day you have to make sure that your life is being fulfilled the way it's supposed to it's so 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 important to always nourish your soul you can't pour from an empty cup it's one of the things i learned in yoga when i decided this year to take care of myself even more um before covid happened um yoga is something that's a big thing with my life i'm, I'm a strong believer that meditation is something that helps you get to the point where you are so <laughs> yoga has helped me do that it's helped me to get where i am mentally because when you tap into that part of your soul that is lacking so much you're giving it spiritual food spiritual food is very important because without that i think that even if you are feeling okay in your own body okay with you know your daily activities there's still going to be something that's lacking something that you don't see the potential for but most people do it's like looking through rose-colored glasses right right <laughs> um rose-colored glasses are something that i think a lot of us still look through in certain situations but you know the reality is what it is right i i had gone through a point in my life where i finally reconciled with the fact that my mom is gone I know, it took me five years. That's a long time. I get it, I get it. You're saying, girl, you mourned for a really long time. You probably should have moved on a little bit. But you have to understand, there is. I have one other motherly figure in my life besides Melissa, my cousin Monica. And she keeps it real with me, which I appreciate. Because if she hadn't, I think a lot of the things and decisions that I made in my life, I probably wouldn't have made. You know, she makes it easier for me to talk about certain things because she's a mom she has a strong-willed daughter my cousin Brittany um and she came from a strong mother Anise who just passed away so she understands where I'm coming from and she was also very close to my mother which I am very appreciative to because my mother was one of those people that was misunderstood to a point some of that was her own fault, but she was also somebody that if you knew her, she was so special. She had so much she could have given the world and she never got the chance to. 55 is a young age to pass away at. So, I mean, our shared love of yoga was something that when COVID did hit, was the logical choice for me to become certified in. So I took a 200 hour course and I finished it in three months and i'm now a certified yoga teacher now i have a couple more things i have to do um throughout that class and i want to take the 300 hour one next to you know help hone in on my skills you know everything's a teaching moment people everything is a teaching moment be teachable be teachable take that critique <laughs> take those comments <laughs> um and um there was an event in my life, um, right around the time my mom passed away, um, the anniversary of it, that changed my life forever. And I truly believe that my mother was behind every logical step that's ever happened in my life. And I think she'll continue to be because 
she was the type of person that was like clairvoyant she knew what was going to happen before that and she knew that what i needed self-love is a very important thing self-love and relationships you have with people in general when things change and dynamics change and in life you know it's okay it's okay. You're, everything is, like I said, a teaching moment. Everything that you go through is going to lead to you to something that's even greater. Like I've said before, I keep um, my relationships private now because of conversations that are had in the midst of things that people don't understand. Plus, the job that, that sorry, the jobs that people in my life have um, aren't exactly things that you can talk about on the radio or on social media that kind of puts them at risk and because of that I keep a lot private I, I tell stories occasionally about my life but I'm good trust me I'm good everything is fine in my life don't ever worry about that I think that um, the less you give people to talk about the better off you are truly <laughs> um, Plus, I was stalked on social media, on my Instagram, where I had to um, basically contact them about a man who said he was going to come visit me in my home state. So I'm very, very, very cautious. So if you question why I'm private and don't post pictures of anything or anybody that's involved in my life, that's probably why. (laughs) And that's going to continue. My life is basically an open book up until that point. If I talk about it, I talk about it. If I don't, I don't. That's that's my comfort level. That's my own personal boundary. Um, it's like my best friend. Um, she shares pictures of her son, but to a point. Like she said, you don't want to put somebody at risk when it's unnecessary because of the people who are out there in the world who aren't always good. And I, I truly believe that most people who are out there in the universe are good. I've come across many, many beautiful souls in my life. And especially this past year when... You know, like I said, COVID happened and everybody was just inside. (laughs) Um, So getting back to, you know, the yoga thing. So done after the yoga thing, I decided that I wanted to start writing about, you know, my experiences in general about like how I feel about a lot that goes on. So I did that. I started my blog, Tori37. That's a brand that I created, obviously. Um, that's my name and that's my birthday backwards and my age at the time when I created it. So Tori 37, it operates under an umbrella of my yoga, my podcast, and my and my blog. I really wish people would learn how to drive in this neighborhood. Seriously. I mean, really, how many more times I'm going to have car accidents? Um, anyway, sorry. I uh, got a little distracted there. Um, they, they are under the umbrella of that entity recently i brought into the equation um uh kind of like a guide type situation a guide a coach whatever you're gonna call it i have discovered that the gifts that i have accomplished in my life is something that i want to give to other people now like i've said before i'm not like one of those salesy type people i don't push people to do something that they don't want to do i believe that if you have that organic connection with somebody they'll make up their own mind about what you do but even if you don't 
pay me financially. I'm still going to help you. I'm still going to give you advice. I'm that type of person. I want to, you know, share myself and, you know, make the world a little bit of a better place. So I'll talk about briefly about what um, happened to me the other day. So I was in um, a store in Dartmouth and I was walking um, towards the checkout and I had two items and a woman and her mother walked towards me and she took down her mask and she started laughing at me and um, I didn't understand why at the time but when I look back on that situation when I got in the car I realized that she was laughing at me because I wasn't the same size as her. Now granted she wasn't like super small but I mean she was obviously smaller than me but somebody who's already gone through um, a body image issue in the past to me that kind of triggered something in my head which made me think that maybe something was wrong with me i knew what i wore that day i had on a purple shirt i had on um leggings i wore my birkenstocks and my jean jacket with my crossbody bag and i looked fine i showered i smelled good i promise <laughs> i smelled good so i don't understand where that correlation came but i mean my thing is this in the day and age of COVID, and you're wearing a mask, you're gonna pull down your mask to laugh at somebody. You're pretty much, you know, you want to take your cheap shots. Go ahead, that's fine. I mean, who am I? I didn't say anything because at the time I didn't really understand what was going on. I paid for my items. I talked to somebody and I left. I was just like, whatever. But when I got home, I really thought about it and how it it sat with me. It did not sit well with me at all. So I made a video posted it on my Instagram, posted it on my Facebook, talking about how society needs to change the way they think about things. They literally do. And I think that that's something that, you know, that's why I was put into the position I was. That, that to me was the point in which I realized this is what you're meant to do. This is your truth. Speak your truth. My truth is this. I'm not perfect. I never claim to be. Anything that I help you with, I stand 100% behind. And, you know, I'm as authentic as I can get within reason. And I, I don't think that, I mean, I make mistakes. I, I truly do. I make mistakes. I'm not, you know, I'm not like, oh, one of those saints or anything. I'm a good person, though. At the end of the day, if you work with me, you can ask Caitlin or Olga or Carrie or Chelsea what I'm like you'll learn that you know or even Taylor <laughs> Taylor <laughs> um you'll learn that I'm I am a good person sometimes a little too good sometimes you know a little too optimistic um, I may be a little left of center um but <laughs> that's just me I I'm the type of person that is always going to look at the optimistic in the dark world. And I want to bring that into your world. Whether it be here, whether it be on my blog, whether it be through my yoga classes, I want to be that bright light. That is my truth. <laughs> that is the person that I am. I'm Tori. In closing, I think that this new format of me sharing a little bit more and talking a little bit more in general about things it's probably the way that I should go from now on. Honest to God, with these fire engines, what is the issue in this neighborhood? 
I apologize. COVID definitely changed the way the dynamic is on the outside of this building. I thought that this was a quiet area. There's kids playing basketball outside, but they're quiet because it's raining. But the fire engine sets continuous. I think that, like I said, um, going forward with this, um, I talk about more um, in-depth health issues like, you know, my picos and various other things I've gone through in my life. I think people relate more when you talk about other things other than the same genre over and over and over again. Uh, we could talk about music. We could talk about anything. Um, if you want to submit an idea to me, I believe there's a feedback button on, on Spotify on my, my thing or even on Anchor. You can definitely just, you know, send something or even iTunes. Um, write a review. Tell me what you feel. Let me know what you're thinking. Or you can find me on Facebook. It's Tori37. My blog is also you know look it's linked into my page so you can check that out and if you want to take yoga with me hey just you know drop a message but in closing thank you for everything that you've helped me accomplish to this point you have no idea how truly grateful i am and for the people who have helped me along the way um uh who have inspired me to be a little bit better of the person that i am to help me speak my truth Chantal um Kelly um my my grandmother <laughs> um people that I come in contact with at work there's so many of them and to Ace thank you so much for all of your support without you I'm telling you all of this would just be the same pipe dream it was take care